All right, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter three. There are a lot of other scriptures in the, in the message, uh, but we'll start at Genesis chapter three. We're in a series called Created to Be, and we're talking about uh, four things that God created us to be, and we talked last week about believe in Jesus, and he created us to be believers. This week, we're gonna talk about belong to family, that God created us to belong. He created us to belong to him and to belong to family. He created Adam and Eve. They were to belong to him and to each other. Uh, all of us want to belong, and probably most of us uh, did some things growing up because we wanted to belong that we shouldn't have done. Don't look at me with that holier-than-thou look. <laughs> or smarter-than-thou look either, because I, you know, like for one year in high school, I joined the rodeo club. <laughs> that was a mistake. Uh, I, 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 and I chose to ride bulls. That was a huge mistake. And uh, ended up with a trip to the emergency room and some broken bones and things like that. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but most trips to the emergency room for teenage boys are preceded by the statement, hey guys, watch this. <laughs> so we do some things because we're born with a desire to belong. And I want to show you where that came from and, and how sin entered the world and, and took and, and perverted that desire, right? Genesis chapter three, look at verse seven. This is after Adam and Eve sinned. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Okay, I just, I, I just want you to think about this. He said, I heard your voice and I hid myself because I was afraid. What was he afraid of? Now, again, we just, just think about it. He was afraid that he didn't belong. The very first thing that happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned was all of a sudden they realized we don't belong. Something happened in their relationship with each other and in their relationship with God. As soon as sin came into the world, they thought we don't belong anymore. And God says, where are you? Now, of course, God knew where they were, but Adam didn't know where he was because sin entered, and when sin enters, immediately we have a problem. And that problem is that we're separated from God. So this is a, a good news, bad news message. Okay, you know, you heard that. I've got some good news and bad news. What do you want first? Okay, well, I'm gonna give you the bad news first, all right? And so there are only two points. First one's bad news, second one's good news, all right? Here's number one. We were born rejected. The reason we do so many stupid things to be accepted is because we were born rejected. Uh, Isaiah 59.2 says, your iniquities have separated you from your God. 
Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a couple of things I want you to notice about that. All have sinned, past tense. Now watch this, and fall short of the glory of God, present tense. So it doesn't say all have sinned, and if you have the word have in there, then the next should say, and have fallen short. Now, I, I pick up those things because I like grammar, but you can't correct the Bible. The Bible is correct. So God is saying exactly what he wants to say. In other words, yes, you've sinned in the past, but even if you say, yeah, but I don't do as much sinning as I used to do, you still fall short. You're still short of the glory of God. And this word sin, by the way, uh, is a Greek word, hamartano. Now, um, I've shared this with you before, but just to give you context again, many, many Greek words that are used in the New Testament have either a military root or a sporting root. And we can go back then and get a little more understanding of, of the word then. Um, like it says, let the peace of God uh, rule in your hearts. Okay, that word rule has a sporting uh, root, which means umpire. So let God's peace umpire in your heart. Tell you where the lines are and if you're safe or out. Okay, then it says also, and the peace of God will guard your heart. That word has a military, guard has a military root, and it means a garrison. Let, let God's peace provide a garrison of soldiers around your heart. Okay, see what I'm saying? So this word, hamartino, has a, a sporting uh, root to it. And it means to miss the mark. And it actually comes from archery. And it means to miss not just the mark, but the bullseye, the very center of the target. And here's what I want you to notice. It doesn't mean to miss the target. If you've ever seen a target, you've got the real small bullseye in the middle, and then another circle, another circle, another circle, okay? So like, like me, uh, I mean, I missed the whole target, you know? I know that. Debbie didn't miss the target, but she still missed the bullseye. See, we're in the same camp, so... She can't act better than I am, you know, we're still sinners. <laughs> Everybody misses the bullseye. That's what it means, everyone. So you need to understand that's, that's the way we were, we were born rejected. We were born separated from God because of sin, because God's a holy God. So how can a holy God have a relationship with a sinful person? Okay, so I told you this is bad news, good news and I'm gonna to get to the good news, but on this point, I have bad news and worse news. <laughs> Not only are you rejected by God, that you're born rejected by God. You're already born separated from God because of sin. Here's the worst news. You have to be perfect to be accepted. Now, I know your mind goes all sorts of places when I say things like this, but I like to give you a shocking statement, because if I don't shock you out of wherever you are, then I can't move you to understand how amazing the truth is that I want to show you, okay? So you, 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 here's what you might have thought when I said you have to be perfect to be accepted. You might have thought, well, that's impossible. Okay, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's the same thing in essence, same concept. When the rich man came and Jesus said, sell everything, and then Jesus turns to his disciples and says how hard it is for rich people to go to heaven. He said, it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Do you remember what they said? That's impossible. 
That's impossible, okay. And, and by the way, just to let you know, there's no gate in Israel. It's called the eye of a needle, that if a camel gets down on its knees and takes its burden off its back, it can slide through. Okay, some preacher made that up. I hate to burst your bubble or your, your small group lesson this next week. <clears throat> because see, if that were true, it'd be possible. Jesus was talking about an actual camel and a needle. It's Here's what he's trying to say. It's impossible for you to save yourself. It's impossible. The reason is you have to be perfect. Hear me, a perfect God only accepts perfection. But I'll show you. Leviticus 22, verse 21. And whoever offers a sacrifice or a peace offering of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, watch carefully, it must be perfect to be accepted. It must be perfect to be accepted. Okay, so I told you I had bad news and worse news. I haven't got point two, and that's good news, but let me just give you a little good news here. Jesus is the perfect offering. He's the perfect one. And that's the only way I'm gonna get in. And you too, don't look at me righteous again. You too is the perfect one came and was the perfect offering. Because it has to be perfect to be accepted. He was perfect. And, again, you want a little shocking statement? He made me perfect. Now listen to me, not in my performance. Just ask Debbie, not in my performance. Not even in my progress, but in my position. In my position, he's made me perfect so I can have a relationship with God. In other words, it's, it's simple. You've heard this, but it shocks us kind of the way I'm saying it. I know that. But he took away all my sin. He had to. He couldn't leave one of them because that would disqualify him. He cleansed me completely. Let me show you scripture on this being perfect. Hebrews in our position, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, uh, we can say a perfect offering. By one perfect offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified means I still got some work to do. But as far as my position with God, perfect forever. He perfected me. Uh, now this next uh, verse I wanna show you has lots of types of the church in it, symbols of the church. But I've gotta show you that so I can get you to the last part, all right? Uh, Hebrews 12, 22 and 23. But you have come to Mount Zion, that's a type of the church, that's where you gather to worship, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church, it's all about the church, of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, now watch this, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Are y'all following me? Is this, is it, is it, is it dawning on you? Because this gets me really excited. Because I know how bad I am. I know how bad I've been. I know how I still blow it. And yet it says, the spirits of just men or justified men made perfect. Perfect. The perfect offering made me 
perfect in my position with the perfect father. <laughs> See, the, the only way I could be perfect was, is by grace, that the perfect one perfects me. It's the only way, okay? And this, this will explain a scripture that Jesus said this in his Sermon on the Mount, and a whole bunch of preachers have messed this one up. Big time messed this one up. A lot of people have messed it up and thought that it means something totally different. But there's only one, one meaning it could have, and that's when you look at it through the eyes of grace. Let me read you this, and maybe it'll help you understand the scripture you've never understood. Matthew 5, 48, Jesus said, therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, in other words, you're gonna to have to be perfect in your behavior? No, here's what he's actually saying. Listen, the, the key is you shall be. In other words, when I take care of it, when I'm the perfect offering, when I'm the perfect sacrifice, when I pay for all your sins, you shall be, I'm gonna make you perfect so you can have a relationship with the perfect one in heaven. Otherwise, there's no way you could do this verse, especially because he adds, he says, you shall be perfect. Listen to this, just as your father in heaven is perfect. Okay, not only shall you be perfect, but you gotta be as perfect as God is. We couldn't do that without grace. It's only by grace that he has made us perfect. I, I, have, I have dealt with perfectionism in my life. I, I have, um, I've tried to, I didn't, I didn't realize it. Now, you know, you never say it. Perfectionists never admit it. We say, we, no, we like excellence. But I, I've, I've tried to preach a perfect message. I've never done it. I used to, uh, when I was young and stupid, I used to preach like five and six times a week. And I would say to Debbie, you know, after the fifth or sixth time, I'd get in the car, I'd say, I did it. She'd say, you did what? I said, I preached a perfect message. Now that, that last one, that was a perfect message. And she'd say, uh... I'd say, what? She'd say, well, you know, five times, you know, you get kind of tired, your mind gets tired. So but it was a great message. I don't know if it's perfect. I'd say, okay, tell me one thing that wasn't perfect. She said, well, you said there were 12 commandments instead of 10. <laughs> and I'd go back and listen to the tape, and sure enough, I did, you know. You just, you just can't do it. I, Dr. Henry Cloud was here this last week, and I met with Henry some to, to help me, personal issues and leadership issues. And we were talking about something, and I'll never forget Henry said this to me. He said, Robert, I think there's only one person named Jesus. <laughs> you trying to tell me something, Henry? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to tell you, relax. You just can't do it. I, um, when, the, when the church started growing, um, and, and becoming influential. I knew that God wanted us to be influential in the body of Christ. And what I mean by that is to help others and help build the, the body of Christ. And I knew God wanted me to be an influential leader in the body of Christ. But when it started happening, my insecurities began to come out. And I just, I just began to get overwhelmed and begin to get stressed. You ever, no matter what you do, you can get stressed. Everyone agree with that? So... So I started really getting stressed. So Debbie and I were on vacation, we were in Colorado, and I was on a mountain, and I was talking to the Lord. And I was just telling him, 
this, this, it's just too big. It's too big. What, what you're calling me to do now is too big. It's just too big. It's too big. And I, I, for years, I mean, really, I think since I've gotten saved, I've just learned to be honest with him because if you're honest with him, of course, he already knows, but you can kind of figure out where your heart is and God can help you if you just be honest. So I was telling him, it's just too big. It's too big, God. It's just too big. It's too big. And I said to him, if, if you want me to do this, I said, you're going to have to do it. And he said, son, I've been doing it all along. <laughs> Even what you thought you could do, I did. Even what you thought you had the ability to do, at whatever level that was, I was still doing it. I'm just telling you, we belong. We belong. We were born. That's the bad news. We were born rejected. Here's point number two, though. Here's the good news. We were born again, accepted. I've been accepted on Jesus's performance, not my own performance. Uh, Ephesians 1.6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Made us accepted in the beloved. And then this next verse is talking about um, doing an act of benevolence. But there's a phrase in there that I, I just love. You, just, you have to catch this. Mark 9, 41. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, now watch this, because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. I just think we could read over that phrase. Because you belong to Christ. I belong to God now. I mean, that's good news. <laughs> See, you, could, you, you can read that verse and you can get caught up in the doing, giving the cup of water. That's the doing. But you might miss the being. You belong to me. We, we belong to Jesus. He purchased us. And, and we belong. And because we belong to God, then we belong to God's family. And if you belong to God's family, you belong to God. See, if it's, if it's really God's family and you really belong to God. When you believe, belong to God, you belong to his family. And I want to say to you, if, if Gateway Church is where God's called you, then jump in. Don't just attend. There, there's, there, there, there are benefits to really being part of the family and not just showing up at Thanksgiving and Christmas but belonging to the family. I'd like to encourage you because I hear this a lot from people. They'll say, you know, we attended for, you know, several years before we went through Catch the Vision. Okay, no, no, I don't want you feeling condemnation, no problem. But if you haven't gone through Catch the Vision and become a member yet, do it. Belong. Don't just say, I go to Gateway Church. Say, I belong. I belong there. You, you belong here. That's why God brought you here. Get involved in a group. Belong. Meet some of your family. Get to know your family. You belong. Psalm 68, verse 6. Here's a scripture I love. God sets the solitary in families. God sets the solitary in families. Now, now I want to explain to you why God has accepted us. And again, there's some shocking statements here, but just stay with me, all right? 
The reason that we have been accepted by God is because God rejected Jesus in our place. Now, theologically, this is called substitutionary atonement. But what it means is, is that Jesus is our substitute. He took our place. And you might be thinking, I, I don't, I'm not quite following you on this, that God rejected Jesus. Jesus became a sin offering for us and was rejected so that we could be accepted. And by the way, I say you not only belong to God, you belong to God's family. He was also rejected by God's family. He wasn't just rejected by God, he was rejected by God's family. Let me show you a few verses here. Isaiah 53, verse three, he is despised and rejected by men. He knows what it feels like to be rejected. Uh, Mark 8, 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Here's the New Testament version of that. Acts 4.11, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Okay, so I showed you how he was rejected by people, but I'll show you how he was rejected by his father. Maybe you've never put this together, but it's a pretty famous verse. Mark 15, verse 34, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let me tell you what this word means, forsaken. It means to completely abandon, to leave totally, to reject. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you rejected me? Now, um, let me help you because a lot of people, this is a confusing verse. And they say, well, Jesus knew that he was going to be this offering and become a sin offering. He knew that he would have to be separated from the Father so we could be reunited. So why did he say this? Okay, this is just my personal opinion. We'll have to ask Jesus when we get to heaven. Um, I think he knew, but I don't think he knew how it would feel until it happened. And I think that's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is actually a quote from Psalm 22, where it also talks about they pierce my hands and my feet. Um, they cast lots for my clothing. Uh, I can count my bones. None, none of his bones are broken. So it's a fulfillment of Scripture for the Messiah. But obviously, it was, he wasn't doing it to fulfill Scripture. I think he actually felt what it felt like to be rejected by God. And he was rejected so we could be accepted. Now, you need to understand something. If you're a believer, God is never going to reject you. The reason is he rejected Jesus for you. Let me say another way. He's never going to forsake you because he already forsook Jesus for you. Matter of fact, uh, it's in Scripture. Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Okay, so how do I know God will never forsake me? Because he for forsook Jesus for me. This is how I know I'm accepted. 
I, I belong. This is how I know I belong. This is what happened when sin came in the world. The first thing Adam and Eve felt, they felt shame, they felt fear, they felt like they didn't belong. This is why you've struggled with it. This is why I've struggled with it. I struggled with rejection for years. Why? Because for almost 20 years, I was saved when I was 19, I was almost 20 years old when I finally got saved. The reason was I was rejected. I knew I was. I knew I didn't belong. I looked around to try to find groups where I could belong. And nothing can deal with that except a relationship with God. You know, uh, for years, even after getting saved, because it's ingrained, it's ingrained, these thought processes. That's why Kairos and Freedom Ministry and Equip things to help us reprogram our software, you know. Um, but for years, I could not figure out why Debbie loved me. I, she knows this. I couldn't figure it out. And I, I could go through the list of reasons why I'm unlovable. And I don't know why Debbie loved me. I just, and so I would say to her, why do you love me? She said, I just do. No, no, but why? And we had this conversation a lot in our early years of marriage. And so I can remember one time it was late at night. I was so trying to figure it out because I could give her lots of reasons why not to love me, you know? And so it was late. She was tired. I said, no, why do you love me? She said, I do. I don't why, why though? Why? Give me some reasons. I want to know why. So she said, well, you're a kind person. Okay, this is how screwed up my wiring is, okay? So I said to her, okay, well, what if I wasn't kind? Then you wouldn't love me. She said, no, no, you're asking for reasons. I'm trying to give you a reason. I said, okay, but what if I weren't kind? Why do you love me? There's no reason. There's no reason, okay? Can I, can I just... Help you a little bit here. There's no reason for God to love you. And it's going to shock you. I know it's going to shock you. It's unreasonable. It's not unexplainable. I'm going to explain it to you. But it's unreasonable. Let me just, just a couple verses here kind of blow you away here. Uh, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let me say this another way. God demonstrates his love toward us in that there was no reason to love us. Even when there wasn't a reason, he still loved us. Are y'all following me? 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. Okay, so, so in the root of obviously my thing was that God couldn't love me either. And so I kept saying, well, why do you love me? She said, well, okay, uh, because you're a good father. Well, what if I weren't a good father? See, she couldn't win. She said, but you are a good father. Well, what if I weren't? So finally, I said, come on, why, 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 why? Tell me why. why, why do you love me? Why do you love me? She said, well, because you love me. I said, well, what if I didn't love you? <laughs> so here's what she said. Remember, it's late night. She said, because I do, shut up and go to sleep. So shut him and go to sleep. So she goes on to sleep. So I'm, 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 I can't go to sleep. I'm thinking she's going to reject me. You know, this, I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with stuff like this, but I just, I was really mixed up. 
And I just don't, Lord, I don't understand, I don't understand. I don't understand. I was telling the Lord, you know, he's the only one awake now, so I'm now the Lord. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand, Lord. Why, why, why does Debbie love me? You know what the Lord said to me? He said, I know why she loves you. I said, you do? He said, of course I do. I know everything. <laughs> I thought, you do? You do know everything. I preached that. Omniscient. All right, you do. You know everything. Why does Debbie love me? Here's what he said. Same reason I love you. <laughs> okay, so why do you love me? This is what he said. Because you're mine. Because you belong to me. He said, do you love your kids? Yeah, why? And he hit me. Because they're mine. They're my kids. He said, Debbie loves you because you're hers. You're hers. That's why she loves you. That's the reason I love you. Because you're mine. Listen to me. You belong to Christ. If you believe, you belong to Christ. And you belong to Christ's body. You belong. And I want you, if God's called you here to Gateway Church, I want you to belong to family. I want you to know we got the same father. Listen, you pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. <laughs> I'm going to live right beside some of you in heaven, whether you like me or not. I'm your brother. And I love you. You love me. God created us to belong. I want you to know you belong. You belong to God, and you belong to God's family. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And every week, I ask you to just ask the Holy Spirit this question. Please don't ever, ever, ever make it a small or a trite thing. Please let this be a, a really important part of the service for you. Just ask the Holy Spirit in your heart, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? We were born rejected. The good news is we were born again, accepted. We belong. We wanna pray for you, that's what family does. If you have any prayer need, we wanna pray for you, no matter which campus you're attending. We wanna pray for you. If you're going through a difficulty with your family, your finances, your marriage, your health, any area of your life, you're going through a difficulty in your relationship with God, some of you may feel like, you know, I did feel like I belonged, but I've walked away from God. Well, come back, come back. And we're gonna have one more worship song. During that worship song, every campus, if you need prayer for any area of your life, we're gonna have people at the front of every campus, every overflow room, and if you need prayer for any area of your life, during this worship song, it's, 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 it's normal. It's normal, so don't feel like I'm gonna stick out like a sore thumb. No, you're not. It's very normal to ask someone to pray for you in church. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, you just stand up, come to the aisle, come to the front of the room where you are, and let us pray with you, all right? Holy Spirit, 
I pray you'll draw every person at every campus who needs any prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.